Jake. This is Rod Blagojevich, and this is We're Missing the Point. Sounds like a very interesting podcast and probably has a lot of stuff that you can talk about. The former governor of Illinois would say that's a high honor, and uh, well done. I guess we're just going to get into it. Uh, welcome back to You're Missing the Point. I'm Jake Loft. I'm Thomas Bradbury, recurring guest. Yeah, Thomas is back. How about it? He is was on vacation. I'm not ready to grill him over January 6th, but uh, Kurt Myers sh- sure will. I know. Can you believe that? I was uh, was really set up in my last <laughs> my last appearance uh, with with my with my co-host, but that was all in good fun. All, all he in... had to say was Tiananmen Square. <laughs> no, I, I couldn't. I can't just can't just pull out those guns quite yet. Speaking of which, I'm boycotting the Olympics. Me and Inez Freedom Cantor. Oh, is that right now? What's uh, what's going on with Mr. Cantor? Well, we invited him to CPAC. Uh, if you know, don't know about this yet, um, he was a player on the Boston Celtics up until about a week ago when he started doing his strongest uh, anti-China stuff. The Boston Celtics games were already banned in China. Um, and we announced him. I work at the American Conservative Union. We're going to have CPAC next week uh, in Orlando, Florida. And Inez got canceled. They traded him away. They started cutting his minutes. Um, and ultimately, well, they didn't trade him away. He ultimately got cut from the team after they traded for another player at his position. Uh, all because he spoke up against the regime in China. Is that right? Wow, that's interesting. NBA making news. They're on all sides of China. Like LeBron James has got a... Actually, LeBron James is also on all sides of China. But it's interesting that somebody comes out of the out of the NBA on the right side of this, but he gets canceled. That's classic. They're canceling everybody in sports these days. What was the what was the girl Tafoya, Michelle? Another, Michelle Tafoya on an, um she she wasn't even canceled NBC. though. She, Didn't um, she just quit because of the the she, hate? Well, no, she was retiring. Uh, um she actually has a cool story. She went from broadcasting the Super Bowl last week, which was a great game that I'm sure we'll get into and recap a little bit later on the show. But Michelle, we announced also as a CPAC speaker, and she went on Tucker Carlson just this week, and she had some, she had a lot of things to say and a lot of good things to say, at least in my mind. Um, so it's cool to see some celebrities finally bucking with the trends of liberal Hollywood and speaking their mind. I heard that she's going to be a force in Minnesota politics, uh, Michelle Tafoya. Wow, that's interesting. Will you consider NBC Sports as a uh always been kind of on the on the liberal side of of things um yeah bob costas would always use his platform at the olympics to say something about guns right right um well actually i guess you know olberman that works at espn but who knew that that sports journalism had such a political aspect to it i mean you can't you can't watch jamil hill back in the day and she was always getting political espn disney really has gone full social justice and um it's interesting to see how as it evolves it gets less and less about sports and more and more about social commentary that is the truth yeah we're 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 moving along through that i mean you saw that um so i guess we can kind of use that to get into the super bowl um the halftime show i thought was great i love that everybody everybody you know everybody i know liked it but i definitely a lot of a lot of crowd the older crowd didn't um yeah it, it was everyone my age and you know i'm 
over the hill, I'm uh, over 25. So uh, everyone around my de- age demographic, I was probably on the younger end of it, but everyone 10 years older than me was definitely loving that Super Bowl halftime show. But then everyone in their 60s, I'm sure, did not enjoy it. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, I, most, yeah, for sure. I, well, I was thinking, I saw a really interesting meme about this. It was, says that the uh, the Super Bowl show used to be, or it, it, we're looking at it like, oh, finally not for the old people. It's, we're finally out looking at the Who or Prince or the Rolling Stones. And then we think about it for a second. We're the old people now. Yeah, there's there's no way yep. my interns and Gen Z yep. <laughs> knows about I remember how the- much in the club was popping in middle school at the at the at the school dance. Right. I remember watching like Janet Jackson and like the Rolling Stones and all of that and I did was not interested at all. Uh, and I'm sure that's kind of what the kids thought with uh with Snoop, but you know From I, my perspective, that was the best halftime show of my life. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I loved it. I, I don't know if it was the best one, uh, but, you know, that's anyway, that was what we're, we're bringing that around to some social commentary is what it was. Right. Like that. It was really interesting. It was cool that it was it was the NWA guys in like Englewood where they're f- are from and everything. Right. Like that's kind of like the right. whole deal with it. But also like the NFL tries to do similar things that the NBA does whenever they try to make statements about the state of things. Um, and that, and that was kind of what that was, right? That was like a, a black culture themed show, Definitely. right? Which yeah. is cool. I've, I'm not complaining about that, but I, that's, that's what a lot of people are complaining about. I, yeah, but I, like, I have what no is, problem with but that. What we is should new? celebrate all Even, these cultures. You know, what's new about this? Remember they, remember they said that they say the same thing every year. There's always like the crowd. That's like the halftime shows message is is all about drugs and cop killing and beating women and stuff, right? Every year, there's somebody that says that. Unless, it, 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 unless it, it, it's Tom Petty. I was about to say, unless it's the heartbreakers out here. <laughs> oh, then, then everyone's just bored. <laughs> right, that was not that good of a R. show. R.I.P. Tom, but... I'm oh, sorry, Tom. Not a great halftime show. <laughs> yeah, but remember, remember what they said about Travis Scott and Adam Levine? What did they say? Well, they said the same thing, right? It was like this is not that happens every year. Like Bruno Mars up there with yeah. his dancing, or hit him versus Beyonce. Yeah, yeah it was, you know. Remember whenever the uh, remember when the lights went out? See, that's a conspiracy. If you really want to get into it, why did the lights go off? What kind of comeback happened after the lights went we got, off? We have Tommy Lee Jones over here. Let's hear it. I guess. <laughs> uh, so let's talk Super Bowl. So I I made some predictions last week. I I lost a bet. Which has been a pretty recurring theme over the week, which we will get into that in a second. Uh, but I made a bet last week with Kurt Myers on the pod. You might have heard of my favorite Cosmopolitan, Kurt Myers. Check out last week's episode if you haven't. Great hot stuff right off the stove. Lost a bet, hundred bucks. I think I bet. Um, Oh, we were spread. We both did the spread. I was a Rams spread. He was. Uh, it was a Bengals and uh, Bengals cover there. And what was uh, it? Three, uh, three four, and a half. Four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah, I would. I would have easily taken the Rams. I thought. Right. Totally. I, I was surprised at how close the game was. Um, the defense for the Rams and the amount of times they shacked, uh, sacked Burrow didn't really come until the second half, and then they just way outplayed. Uh, 
way outplayed them. That final drive the Rams had was really masterful. They took time off the clock. They they did exactly what they needed to do, and then uh, just let Von Miller and Aaron Donald take over the game at the end. Oh man, it was it was a great it was great to uh, it was great to lose great to lose some cash. Uh, you see the see the boys, you know Von Miller, OBJ moving over. Uh, Try to win a Super Bowl. They made it happen. I lost money on it. I lost money all week. I was uh, watching a game in the airport in Las Vegas. Why were you in uh, Vegas there, Jake? Well, I was in Vegas uh, for for various reasons. Um, there was a wedding. I was at, I was went to a wedding, um, but I also I had a bunch of cash burning a hole in my pocket. So there was a holiday. So I went down there, tried my luck. Didn't really. Didn't really pan out, so I kept on trying three or four days worth of trying, and uh, sent myself home with nothing. I'm I'm glad you got back because uh, you know Nick Cage, one of his best performances was in Las Vegas, and uh, he just lets the city swallow him up. I can really see I how you can find financial ruin in a place like that, but it's pretty cool. It was really interesting though. I didn't, so I am I there. I can see the there. The, the full spectrum of people are there, right? There there are people with a lot of money that are ready to spend it, and there are people that are they don't have a lot of money that they're ready to spend. It's it's a really flashy city. It, really trashy, but and then it's it's the closest you go from this is disgusting trashy to this is elegant. Uh, it's like New Orleans in the desert. It's not like Atlantic City. Atlantic City is a beach town. Right. Um which I think Atlantic City is a little bit is a different type of 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 like run of like dirty. Uh, it's weird. So the beach though, it's different. It's humid. It's humid there. It's dry in uh, in the LV. Nice. You went there at, at one of the probably busiest times, Super Bowl weekend. Probably only March Madness is as good. Uh, do you think though that because you're there at that time of year, how? Dude, heavy was Vegas. Because when I went there in the summer, it was pretty mixed. Uh, but I, I've heard anytime it's like prime sports gambling, it is just dude central. Uh, I don't know. I didn't think about that, but it wasn't like terribly densely crowded. It was. It was certainly full. But like, I didn't. I figured it's just like normally, normally like this. Uh, on Sunday, the sports betting lines were a lot longer than than other days for sure but nah it wasn't like an inconvenience or anything went around went to the aria play some sports bets at the aria Aria's nice yeah uh just lived at the cosmopolitan for a few days paid rent for sure they didn't they didn't let me live there for free and then i also uh stuff i just gambled for three days straight <laughs> yeah it was cool. It was a good time, you know, and you gamble, you drink for free. We're drinking for free tonight here at the Loft Ranch. Uh where are you uh what do you got over there, Thomas? What do you got? I got I've got the same thing. I've I've got one of the hippest new concoctions. Uh but I'm really confused how they made the alcohol. It's called Budweiser Next. It's eighty calories, four percent alcohol, and zero carbs. So I'm wondering to myself, zero carbs, isn't that what generates the alcohol in beer like 
the sugar crystals that are in the trapped in the weed or trapped in whatever. Isn't that how? Okay, so we're gonna get a little lesson. Alcohol production one hundred and one. That is where alcohol comes from. Is the sugars the yeast eats the sugar, right? And the sugars come from the grain. So the brewing, what the brewing does is it pulls the sugars out of the grain, and then the yeast reacts with the sugar and creates alcohol. Mm. Um. So this is a real yeast beast. Well, I don't, I, I don't think that gets rid of carbs though. Uh, I'm not sure what how they they must make the alcohol with a in a different way than that right they like yeast probably can do it with something else i i don't know any callers you know if we got a we got a lot if we had a if we had a telephone go and give me a shoot me an email give me a jake you're missing the point dot com uh, we, we used to get call-ins we, call, we had we, call-ins we in the early seasons for yeah we should do live call-ins we should get this on youtube again right um I, I do I do have to say though Bud Bud Light Next is it's like a candy. It is so drinkable. It has like a little citrus thing going on. Um I compare it to Blue Moon's Light Sky product, but Light Sky has 3.6 carbs and is probably a little bit better, but Next, I I don't know. I'm really a fan of this product. I'm I'm sure I'll get sick of it in a month like I did with most of the seltzers that I drank throughout the pandemic. That was the worst review I've ever heard in my life. So we're drinking Bud Light next. You called it Budweiser next. Um, <laughs> we're drinking Bud Light next. Super crisp light beer, zero carbs, 80 calories, 4% ABV. You know, it is light. It's really light. I don't know. It kind of drinks like a seltzer. It's nothing like a light sky. Blue Moon Light Sky is better than this. I can't believe it. I'm slandering Anheuser-Busch with this. Blue Moon Light Sky is where you want to be, I think, if you're talking. If you're looking for low-carb, low-cal brews. This drinks like a seltzer. It's the second one that I've had. I don't know. Try it out. Bud Light Bud Light next. Super crisp light beer. We're drinking it. Thomas, you bring an article? I do. I have my I have an article of the week and then I have um I have a newsworthy thing and then I have my explanation. Lay so it on me. The newsworthy worthy thing of the week is obviously San Francisco School Board. They had a massive recall petition and the people got recalled by over seventy percent. Because for the entire past year, as um, kids were not allowed to go to school in person, and then they were finally allowed to go, but they had to wear the mask, the school board in San Francisco was debating why Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, Diane Feinstein should not be names of elementary schools. So instead of actually figuring out the problems that matter most to the parents and the community... They were focused on the problems that mattered most to college-educated edu- liberals. The school board president blamed this on closet Republicans. There is no way there's that many closet Republicans in San Francisco. That is a city with only 6% registered, registered Republicans. Um, but it plays into a different article that I read a few months ago 
in Politico magazine, the Democrats' privileged college kid problem. And basically what it breaks down is um, that... Had it pulled up. The problem with this permanent class of young staffers is they tend to hold views that are both more liberal and more ideologically motivated than the views of the coveted median voter, and yet they yield a significant amount of influence over the party's messaging and policy decisions. As a result, Democrats end up spending a lot of time talking about issues that matter to college-educated liberals, but not to the multiracial block of moderate voters that the party needs to win over the secure governing majorities. And I think that can explain a lot of the ways that Biden has messed up is because no one around him is a working class voter that the Democrats covet. They're all Ivy Ivy League educated, well-connected people. That's everyone in the Biden administration. Yeah, there are these people that think that that Twitter moves voters. The fact is 90% of of Twitter traffic is driven by 10% of people. And they all live inside the Beltway. And those are the people that work for the modern Democratic Party. And they are the ones that insist on leaning heavily into identity politics. Um, that working class voters are sick of hearing about. They've been waiting there in line patiently year after year. For the unions to step up for them, for the Democratic Party to step up for the working class voter, or for the minorities and waiting their turn. They were like, okay, we can do this identity politics for a few cycles in a row. We had Obama, that was really cool. Now where are the goods? They there are were never any goods. And that there's really coming to show what's what's what when, when you look at the at at Joe Biden's approval ratings and the approval ratings around uh, Democrats uh, across the country, he's delivered all the policy wins to that woke class. But what has he delivered for that working class American? He's cut their jobs. Their purchase power is less due to inflation. He's raised their energy costs by shifting them over to ex- more expensive renewable energies. What has Biden done for the working class voter? The uh, Democrats. But one thing about the Democrats is like, I hear this from people is that they, they move things forward. A lot of times unpopular issues, issues at all. They move things forward and they take the bull by the horns and kind of bulldoze over whenever they have the power. Mm-hmm. But these Democrats are really a bad, bad at that. I don't really see that happening with, with Biden. Um, but when you look at what's going on with the way that congressional maps are ha- are, are moving, uh, you got to consider states that have Republican majorities not using or wielding the full force of their majority on the on the people to to do their districts. You, you what see do you a think real about you see that? a real mix. So you I, see a, you see like Tennessee, they've done a masterful job of drawing their districts. And then, for whatever reason, in Missouri, you see them draw essentially a 5-3 map that could very easily be a 7-1. Um, I think it's it's a lot of protectionism for the people that are already in. They don't want tough races, and they'd rather protect their seat uh, than do what the Democrats in Illinois are doing, where they drew three Republican seats into one. Um, 
there's some truth to the courts will side with the Democrats and allow them to do the gerrymandering in most of their areas and that the Republican districts put, could potentially not hold up. But I don't really buy it to the extent that uh, that message is being sold to Republicans. I think Republicans need to have a backbone in this and actually draw the districts the same way the Democrats are doing to them in the blue states. Oh, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough for me. It's tough for me. I don't really also don't really like the characterization of the Missouri districts as five to three. Um, NC is I barely I, winnable. It, I don't even, I've never, Missouri too. I have never believed that, that the St. Louis County, uh, congressional district, uh, is 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 competitive, uh, since, especially since Ann Wagner has been winning every year since 2010. Um, and, I, and as far as I've as I see, for the only thing that I don't really spend a whole lot of time on it, but I've heard that the only thing that's going on in in that district is they're taking Kirkwood out of it and Webster Groves or something, and that makes it actually even less democratic. Uh, so I don't I don't really think that five three is is a fair characterization. Maybe it's competitive, but it's not it's not that in big a, of a in deal. In a bad year, um, that that could easily swing. I've been 10 he, points. I've been hearing that for years though. I've been like I've been you know it, I don't know. But the the fundamental powers of government is like really the the question is like do we need to be as bad as the Democrats? I think Republicans need a backbone. Yes, I I think I think. The Democrats know how to use government as a weapon and wield it. I think Republicans need to have a backbone and take away as much government as possible to prevent that from happening. I don't want government to be used to further things. But in the ter- in the case of redistricting, it is totally the power of the legislature, at least as the law is currently written. Why would they not use it to their full full force? That's true, but and it, and it, at one point does it become a political maneuver, right? Because there is, there still has to be some kind of integrity of the office that we're doing this for the people. The the, the drawing of the of a congressional district map is kind of com- completely fundamental and core to like representation. Oh, and, it's and entirely a political on, right? and process. And so then, and so then these guys do it to like win majorities and like help their play their game better but like it, it almost always negatively affects everybody there, but so there's, does any, there's no real yeah. good the problem yeah. is there's no good way to draw these districts i mean you can take just say oh these are um constituencies that we think are similar that would be better represented uh, or you could say hey this is uh these counties we want to make sure all the counties in one spot but just it's a numbers game and it's how do you play it and actually keep these areas together and i think it's really tough it is i mean and that's one thing it's like the government it's almost like the government wants to decide where people want to live right it's like there's so there's always going to be a certain amount of self-sorting that goes on and you that's why people in california are all the way like they are compared to people in mississippi oh, right that, that's why and florida the, is the and most the, immigrated two yeah, state right and, now and it has Tennessee. and it has nothing to do with who represents you in congress right <laughs> and uh so like the people are ultimately drawing the lines right uh and and so that's why that i i, I think it's sort of unfair to to us for for congressmen or or state representatives or or whatever to 
to try to to play their political game like this and for people to support them wielding extra power than they really should even though i know that like there is a there are people that are breaking the they're, they're crossing the line there but but my pushback is like what's the better way to do it because every time we've had one of these nonpartisan commissions like the missouri plan had floated it was totally going to be set up the the bill was literally written so that the state auditor who is the only democrat elected official would be the one choosing who this nonpartisan demographer was so they even write the laws to when it is trying to do a nonpartisan thing in a way that is clearly and objectively partisan. So until we can get it away from uh, an actual partisan thing, I just don't know how you draw the lines better. Oh, there is no better way. The nonpartisan commissions don't exist. That that's a fugazi out there. You know mm-hmm. that there's nonpartisan means Democrat, and every everybody knows that. Uh, there's no better way to do it. Uh, we're not going to figure it out on on this show. We're just we're just we're just a bunch we're just a bunch of uh, a bunch of nobodies in the peanut gallery trying to play politics. But there you have it. This is you're missing the point. Don't, Thank you for checking it out, Thomas. You got one last thing. Don't miss CPAC next week. Theme is awake, not woke. We'll have Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, Mike Pompeo, uh, Donald Trump Jr. Every big name in the conservative movement will be there. Ted Cruz. Where's it's it be at, a great Thomas? time. Where is it? Rose and Shingle Creek, Orlando, Florida, February 24th through 27th. I'll be there. Hope you will too. You hear that? Shingle Creek, February 24th through 27th, Orlando, Florida. Donald Trump's going to be there. I hope to see you there too. This has been your Missing the Point. Thank you for listening.